Welcome to the Gridiron Show and coming up our Week 12 preview. There are some absolute barnstormers this weekend, particularly in prime time. Plus, we're going to be joined in studio by a Super Bowl winning defensive end. We've got Cliff Averill of the Detroit Lions and Seattle Seahawks with us. There's plenty to get into with him. This is the Gridiron Show. Hello, welcome to the Gridiron Show. Will Gavin, I've got Ollie Hunter in the studio with me. Hey, buddy. I've, hey, I've finally shaken that cough. But the best thing about the last ten seconds is your little face when you pull down the uh, the fader for <laughs> for the opening music and the studio the studio uh, um, speakers. speakers just went crazy. So bassy, it was brilliant. It's one, one of the, it's one of the loudest things I've ever heard. I've never seen your eyes go that wide. Ooh, what? I don't think my eyes do go that wide. Your your eyes are so tiny. And returning from the Midwest on his uh, gridiron uh, touchdown trips tour is the man himself. What was it? The Great Lakes tour or whatever it was. Yeah, Uh, we weren't on it. So it doesn't matter. It wasn't as good, obviously. Matthew Sherry, hey buddy. I'm great. How are you guys? I don't, well, yeah. I don't remember asking how he was, but no, uh, no, I'm, just, I'm just I'm, <laughs> I'm so sleep deprived after a night of horrifying jet lag that I'm I just I'm not listening. I'm just saying what I think. I, should say. I thought you were going to say horrifying football uh, rather than oh, horrifying. I was going to say, lag. did that mean you stayed up to watch Thursday night football? Because I woke up and went, "Ooh, 2017 looks like a decent game," and then watched the extended highlights and realised that it, it means was. I woke up at two a.m. and watched most of it. It wasn't a good game. There were some nice. There were there were some nice bits in it, and there was you know Deshaun Watson touch passing and DeAndre Hopkins and his catching, and that was about it, I guess. Jonathan Williams looked really good on the Colts running the ball, but there wasn't it. There wasn't a cons- considered and a continual bits of excellence. You know what I mean? It was just it was bitty. It was a very bitty game for me. I think it showed up more than anything that the Colts just don't have with, with Hilton banged up. He dropped a couple of key third downs. Massive. Um, playing through a calf injury. Without him, they just don't have anybody who can who can beat man-to-man coverage. And that, that the Texans seem to play a lot of it, and, and the Colts just couldn't get anything going in the passing game. Ran the ball well. I mean, from a Texans perspective, the big concern for them is how much they're getting gashed on the ground the last couple of weeks. Mm. But... Yeah, without being able to make the odd chunk play downfield, you, you're always going to struggle for for points. One of the issues that's afflicting the Patriots at the moment, and and certainly an issue for the Colts. Yeah, it was a key drop in the first half. Two key, uh, two key third down drops, as you said, in the second half for Hilton, who mostly got blanketed by Jonathan Joseph, who might run a forty about as quickly as I do at this point. So that's not what you want to see from a guy who has generally torn that that offense, uh, that defense apart previously i I tell you what i I thought from the uh the texans perspective and and i've seen some some stats on it you mentioned obviously the catches and we had deandre hopkins with the one lovely deep uh touchdown and we had him toe tapping on the sideline for that big first down pickup at one point but how different this offense is when they've got both hopkins and will fuller available and healthy because they just they are, I think, 32nd in deep passes in the league. And yet, when Will Fuller V is on the field as well as DeAndre Hopkins, 
suddenly the deep ball becomes available and there were at least three absolute buttes from Deshaun Watson last night and it's exactly kind of the opposite of what you're saying with the Colts they just don't have anyone else to open up opposition defenses so if they're going to be dangerous in January the Houston Texans it's going to have to be on offense because of of what they've lost on defense and because of how they're playing against the run and if they've not got both those receivers on the field then the other looks distinctly average I'd be interested to see the splits of both the Texans' record and offensive output when when he's been on the field, Hopkins. Um, Fuller, sorry, because, yeah, I mean, he's basically picked up a a key injury every season and and it feels like whenever he's been there, they've been just a completely different team. The the Texans also won in spite of the ultimate game management error from Bill O'Brien, who called a run and play with um, two minutes and five seconds left on the clock. The clock is going to stop anywhere two minutes, guys. (laughs) You should always pass it in that situation. It's, completely it's, infuriating it's not the it's not the ultimate one but it's a pretty bad one there's no denying it's, it's, it's right up there as the as the ultimate stupidity especially when you then throw on third down you know if that's incomplete then the whole game looks different he does this a lot doesn't he O'Brien there yeah, are regular he's, issues he's terrible at managing the game yeah. awful I woke up at about 4.30, 4.40 this morning. I actually went to bed early with the intention of getting up to watch this game because I liked it so much on paper and woke up at about 4.40 to see what the score was. So I, I, I watched the highlights immediately and obviously there was a lot of talk afterwards about the replay, about the fumble from Deshaun Watson at the end which would have given the Colts the ball back with about, uh, what, about a minute 30, minute 35 and on their own 35 as well. So could have got easily into field goal range to tie the game up or even gone and scored a touchdown. The anger was at the fact that they didn't go for a full-on review and send the official down to look at it, but... I think people need to realise is that our river on is over these games, particularly these primetime games. And if you watch the replays there, there was nothing there that would have indicated it would have been overturned on replay. So he can just feed it down and say, don't bother looking at it. There's nothing worth looking at. Yeah, I mean, it's just one more reason to find find a... An opportunity to be outraged for people, isn't it? <laughs> it's a great shout, that. He's, he's come back off holiday, he's all jet-lagged, he's tired and he's tearing into the world. Yeah, brilliant. That's true, though, isn't it? Like, everyone yeah. wants to be outraged yeah. now, so if you can find an opportunity, then, then track on. Was there, um, it, when you look at these two teams, I, I still think both can be playoff teams. I'm just checking uh, what the Colts' schedule looks like going forward. Because the Bills have such a tough run down the stretch, there is going to be a wildcard place available to, to a 10-6 and six type of team. And the Colts, whilst they've got a tough game on the road to the Saints outside of that, Panthers home, Bucks, Titans home, and, and the Jags on the road, you know, that's still four very winnable games in in their schedule. Do, do we do both these teams look like playoff teams this year to you? I think the Texans have basically given themselves a great chance now to have, to have wrapped up the division. I, mean, I think they're both playoff quality teams. The issue for the Colts is that if I remember rightly, they lost a game to the Raiders at home. That could really come back to to bite them. You know, um, I think the Raiders, the Bills, and the and the Colts are the three and the in for the wild card mix. So. By the way, on the on the Raiders. So on this podcast we did earlier this week, I um, podcast 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 that we did earlier this week. I hadn't seen a lot of the football because I'd been at a wedding on Sunday, and I've been slowly catching up over the course of the week. If the Bengals started Andy Dalton last weekend, and everything else had been the same, yeah, I know that's not how the world works. But if you have a better, even just an average quarterback. 
The Bengals would have beaten the Raiders last weekend. They absolutely papped the bed. They need to go and just hammer the Jets this week and, and just look really good because they've got a few tough games down the stretch beyond that. And whilst I, I've been impressed with them compared with previous, what I expected to be this season, they've been run pretty tight by some pretty average teams recently. Yeah, I don't think they're a great team. I think they're a product of uh, of some very good coaching that they're even in the situation they're in. Because, I mean, talent-wise, you know, they're, they're maybe the youngest team in the NFL. And that's a good thing for down the line. But... For me, they're, they're well ahead of expectations and, and they're not the kind of team that I expect to blow anybody out for that reason. But I think that the edge they've got at the moment is just purely coaching. I mean, again, in this game, a, a touchdown where I just see a tight end scheme wide open to a degree that is, is scarcely believable. And I, I do think a lot of it is just clever coaching for the Raiders and, and yeah, they're just way ahead of schedule. I mean, I think if I was choosing the best six teams in the AFC that wouldn't be in it, I would probably pick the Colts and... And the Bills as the wild cards. Um, but yeah, they're just... Uh, but, but I mean, I might, might even pick other teams. I mean, you look at how talented the Titans are. Well, that's what I'm John saying. Gruden at the helm of the Titans, I think they're, they're in the mix. You know what I mean? But, but, but then they're just going to crap the bed that. against the Jags this week in ridiculous right now, yeah. fashion. It would just be... Yeah. That, that division is, is so ludicrous in that, fashion, in that way. Um, right, that, it's weird that the first game we've talked about from this weekend is, is Jets-Raiders. But what are we going to do? We're going to have Cliff Averill now. Uh, the former Detroit Lion, former Seattle Seahawks, Super Bowl Forty Eight winner, Super Bowl Forty Nine uh, runner-up. I'm really fascinated to find out how that day has played out for him because him going out of the game in the third quarter, I think, was massive to the Patriots' comeback in, the, in late in that game. And and uh, when you've got a concussion and you have to stay down in the locker room just to find out what that whole experience was like for him. So we've got that coming up, and then we'll be back to look forward to the Week Twelve games. So we ended up spending a full half an hour with Cliff Averill. So rather than giving you the entire thing here and making you have to listen to a full hour and 15 minute long podcast, I'm going to play you in a little five minute chunk. It's the last five minutes of the chat when we talk about the Miles Garrett situation and then we look forward to, to Sunday night football as well. Then I'm going to release the Cliff Averill as a totally separate interview for you so you can listen to that in full. Uh, it was really good fun chat, really wide-ranging. He's a really, really interesting guy. So here he is talking about whether or not he thought the five-game suspension for Miles Garrett was fair punishment. Um, Yes, I do think it was fair punishment, but I think they dropped the ball on the other side too uh, with Rudolph. Um, and the reason I say that is, yes, what my, and I, can't, I'm, I don't agree with his actions as far as for, you know, hitting a man with his helmet or anything like that. I do know that there are scuffles all the time in, in, in the NFL. There are times where there's fights and different things like that. So that is not warranted. But I do think Miles Garrett played a bigger, or not Miles Garrett, but Rudolph played a bigger role than his actual penalty was. Um, I mean, we're always quick to look at the the reaction of somebody, but never the reason why, too. Again, Miles Garrett is completely wrong, but I do think Rudolph should have possibly gotten a little bit more of a stiffer type of situation uh and, and i'm not saying he should have got the same thing nowhere near the same thing he got hit with a helmet you know but i do think you know at least a one game suspension because everybody else got suspended mm -hmm. that was involved so why shouldn't he, he did, so. and he did try and remove the helmet and not just that but then got up in the player's face exactly. after his helmet had been pulled off when and, you could walk away and i understand it's an emotional game for sure a divisional game you're losing horribly as well i get that Having emotions a terrible are high, game. <laughs> but yes. you, you, you've got to i guess somebody has to have control and nobody showed but it. see that that's the thing everybody has to have control and and you will lose your mind from time to time but i do know one thing 
And this is like the number one rule in football. If your helmet comes off in a scrum or a fight, you back out. <laughs> you mm-hmm. move back. You don't run towards the fight. You back out because everybody has a helmet on. So it doesn't make sense for you to, to do that. But I guess quarterbacks don't know that because they're using that in the fights. <laughs> <laughs> and not just that, but it's also it's the stupidest thing to do in the NFL, except for the one thing I will never understand, which is swinging a punch at a man wearing a helmet. Stupid. Just, stupid, stupid, stupid. All stupid. you're gonna do is potentially break your hand. I That's just, all you're gonna do is break your hand exactly. And 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 I was I was guilty of that before. And my coach he looked at me like, bro, like why would you do that? Like why would why would you think you're gonna punch a helmet? So if anything, you slap the helmet, but you don't. You definitely don't punch. <laughs> if anything, you slap the helmet. There you go. We, we we've got it clear at this point. Just so you know, that's what you should have done. Um, and and yeah, obviously we'll we'll talk about this on the show. But this idea of now the the topic of racism has has come up. And yeah, the NFL have said there's no way to to kind of prove it or no evidence of it i'm astounded that there's nobody in that entire situation mic'd up when you consider that it's a Mm -hmm. thursday night divisional game and nfl films mic up half of the players well well yes and no um usually in the middle of the field unless you are mic'd up unless you have a a mic on your actual uh pads there's no they're like there's really no way of knowing what's exactly going on and even if you watch the there i seen a screenshot it's like when they were on top of each other, there wasn't a ref around for, you know, 20 yards, you mm-hmm. know, so it's going to be hard to hear that. But I will say again, it there's a lot of stuff that's being said on that football field that most fans will never hear. Mm-hmm. Um, unless you're close to the sidelines where there are mics and, and big boom uh, mics and different things like that, you will, you will hear things. But most times on the actual field, unless that player has a mic on them you won't hear you won't hear a lot a lot of the comments and things that are being said we've ended up going stupidly long and i'm aware that you've got to go and talk to h and j but last thing is you're doing the games this uh, this sunday on yes. sky sports uh, immediately afterwards 49ers uh, green bay huge game yeah. i'm assuming they'll be listening to talk sport 2 in the car on the way home of course uh, <laughs> to be catching the game before you get back um how do you see this going, uh, and will you stay up and watch it? I will stay up and watch it. Um, because Slash listen uh, on TalkSport 2. Uh, yeah, I will, I will listen, then watch it, um, partly because I'm constantly, <laughs> I have to for my contract. <laughs> but no, um, no, uh, I see this game playing out. I see it being intense. The big question mark for you guys, the 49ers, is Jimmy G. Mm-hmm. Can he be that quarterback? Can he lead the team without a running game? Can he lead the team uh, if they're behind? Because that's why people, like, they pay you big bucks to be able to finish games. That's why people love Russell Wilson. That's why they love Aaron Rodgers. That's why they love all the greats because they can finish games. Can he do that? Um, you know, because there will be ups and downs in this game, and he's going up against a, a beast in Aaron Rodgers. But with that pass rush, you have a lot of opportunities to be able to get after him. But the one thing that separates Aaron Rodgers from a lot of quarterbacks, and I, I, I know this personally, is – he understands the pass rush too. So he understands where gaps are, where guys line up and what type of rushes he's going against. So he'll understand to be able to step into those, those gaps where guys aren't. So how do you compensate for that? You know, will the deep, uh, the, the, the back half of the defense be able to hold up? So to answer your question, um, it's hard to go against Aaron Rodgers, to be honest with you. Okay, it's okay. hard. It's hard. It's hard. no divisional bias here, I'm sure. <laughs> <at all>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's if it's another quarterback, yeah, maybe. But uh, it, it's hard to go against Aaron Rodgers, and he's been playing. He's. The, I don't think he's getting a lot of credit either in what the Green Bay Packers have been doing uh, over the last few weeks either. Yeah. They have, and they turned it around massively offensively by that one absolute egg they dropped a few weeks ago uh, against the Chargers. But, yeah, it has been a much, much better team so far. I, I fear for it, but I'm also excited. <laughs> I can't wait to cover it. It should be a fun game. It should be a fun game. It should be. Um, look, Cliff, really appreciate your time. Thank you for spending the time to chat with us and, and look forward to seeing you on Sky this weekend. My pleasure. Thank you guys for having me. Good man. Four days like no other. 
a festival like no other. For a bookmaker like no other. Betfred. Get up to £40 in free bets when you sign up using promo code CHELP40 and stake £10 on any Cheltenham race. Betfred. At the heart of Cheltenham. 18 plus. New UK customers only. Available from March 6th to March 13th. £30 free bets credited within 10 hours of first bet settlement. Extra £10 free bets credited if first bet loses. Full terms at betfred.com slash promotions. Keep it fun. BeGambleAware.org. Hazel Irvin here, and I'm at Mammoth Insurance in Leeds, where Kate has arranged an office chair race to fundraise for sport relief. And these riders have got their kit on. They are rearing to go. And they're off. Taking an early lead and smashing injustice right out of the park, it's Daphne from Accounting, riding the spreadsheet demon chair. Up comes Nina from HR on Beat Me and You're Fired, closely followed by Mark from Marketing on the 9 to 5 chair. Even Javid from Health and Safety's at it, waving his clipboard like crazy. Go easy there, Javid. We don't want any injuries, fella. And from nowhere, it's Jenny on El Chero Loco, rolling right over poverty to cross the line first. And the crowd goes loco. Unbelievable. You can help change the world too. Just order your free fundraising pack at sportrelief.com. Sportrelief. It's game on. This message was brought to you by Acast. Super Bowl winning defensive end of the Detroit Lions. He didn't win the Super Bowl there, though. And the Seattle That's Seahawks. <laughs> um, weird, weird spending half an hour in the studio with a mortal enemy, but there we go. Uh, right, let's uh, let's crack on and, and talk about the Week 12 games, boys. Is, do we want to go... Let's pick out the big ones first and foremost. And I guess let's start off with, with Seattle in Philadelphia to face the Eagles. The... Um, what intrigues me about this game is that obviously Seattle have, have pulled it out in, in a couple of games recently, very late on, a couple of overtime. They've also had the bye week, which is, is going to be a, a perfect opportunity to get healthy after that bruising Monday night football win over the 49ers. I'm intrigued. On the road against Philadelphia, who have not been good on offense recently, but actually have the best defense in the NFL, both in points and yardage through the last three weeks... I think this could be quite like an intriguing, tight game, and, and I kind of fancy the Eagles to do it. I, th- I fancy the Eagles as well, because on offense, they weren't great last week, but you've got to look at the, the who they were playing. They're playing the Pats, the best defense across the 10, 11, 12, how many weeks it's been. Um, okay. 11. I, I, yeah, there we go. But across <laughs> across those amount of it's weeks... Week 12, buddy. Thanks, mate. Across those amount of weeks, they've been the best defense. So... It's not that surprising that they couldn't really get things together with that that offense. So I like the Eagles at home, bounce back against not the best Seattle Seahawks. For, for me, Matthew, it's about what the Seahawks defense looks like after that game over the 49ers, where Jadavian Clowney had a career game and they were just fantastic. Do they do the same to the Eagles or was that kind of a, an emotional divisional game flash in the pan? I mean, I, I, I think their defence, like watching that game against the Niners back, I just think their defence looks totally different with Quandre Diggs in and playing well. Seattle, I think he's made a huge difference. Um, what were the, why, have they, why did the Lions trade him away? Such I, I'm, not really, I'm not really sure. I've always been a huge fan. But, you know, we've, we've chatted a lot about that defensive scheme over the course of the podcast this season. And, and really what it needs is, is real speed in the middle of the field to make it work. And, and I thought that there were signs that that Diggs has been able to give them that to a degree and that has made a difference. Now, the other element for the Eagles is that, 
you know, they're incredibly banged up. I mean, Lane Johnson, I don't think he's going to play because he's got a concussion. Um, Agalor's injured again, not practising. And then, you know, Jeffrey and Howard are limited as well. Uh, I thought the Patriots' defence was outstanding against the Eagles, but they were going against a, a depleted Eagles offence, if we're being completely honest. And uh, Lane Johnson in particular was a miss. I mean, the, the Patriots just absolutely feasted on the on the tackles once he went out. And I would expect Clowney to do the same in this game. I think a low-scoring game just because, you know, it's... I mean, I, I assume Lockett's going to be back for Seattle. Obviously, he hasn't missed any games, but it, it looked like he might have had a serious injury that turned out to be not quite as bad. I, I really fancy the, the Seahawks in this game. I, I just think they've... They're now in the mix for the division as well. You know, this is a huge game for them for, from a from a wildcard perspective. But with the way the 49ers have looked the last couple of weeks, you know, you would say that the division is back in play for Seattle. And the way Wilson's playing... You know, he's playing so well and and I can't say the same about Carson Wentz, who I thought was was skittish at best against the Patriots and, and it, at points just looked really poor. It wasn't just Clowney on that defensive line who, yeah, like I said, had a phenomenal day, but you also had uh, Jaron Reed look good, Quinton Jefferson look good, Puna Ford look really good against the run. Like they, they did, they just did a really good job across the board in, in that front seven. And so, yeah, that's, that's the area where I do think they, they give them some, some trouble. I don't know. I just, I kind of fancy the Eagles to get, to get healthy this week. I fancy them to, to, to figure that out on offense but the Lane Johnson thing does concern me I think you're right oh I I think in what feels like a a good a coin flip in a good way I'm going to take the home team I'm going to take the Eagles I picked the Seahawks originally I'm switching it I've taken the Seahawks uh, (laughs) despite despite picking up the Eagles I just think that there there is a thing to be said about momentum and how how the Seahawks seem to be seem to have that players are playing above what we thought they would be at the beginning of the season, especially on defense. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm taking the Seahawks. I think the other element is a good coach coming off a bye as well. You know, you often say the best John Harbour, Belichick, Andy Reid, and I would put Pete Carroll squarely in that mix. The best coach is generally a really good off buys as well. Right, let's move on. Also in the in the early window, and, and I'm kind of throwing this into the good games mix because it looked like a really good game two or three weeks ago, but the Panthers have gone right off the boil since then. The kind of question I want to ask about this, the Panthers go to the New Orleans Saints at eight and two, who are also very much in the mix for the bye and the number one overall uh, seed now as well with, with what's happening with the 49ers, with the Seahawks, with tough schedules for both those teams coming up. And the Saints play the 49ers as well, which is key. Um, it's more about the Panthers' side of things because we've not certainly not got Matt's take on this. They're five and five, but they're nowhere near the middle of the pack in terms of quality over the course of the season. On the old DVOA adjustments, they're the twenty sixth best team when you consider their performances against who their opponents have been. I, I kind of just wonder. Me and Ollie gave our opinions on this earlier in the week or last week. Where you think this franchise goes in the next in the next few months, Matt Sherry? Well, they need. I think they need a new general manager. Um, I, I mean, I, I would I would personally keep Rivera as coach, but the, the 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 Herney scenario is just bizarre in the way he got the job back. He's very much the the old regime's guy, so I, I would think Dave Tepper, the kind of analytical guy who'd, who'd who'd have a look at it, would get a new GM in place, and Rivera gets another year. I mean, I think they need to keep Cam Newton. The, the Kyle Allen thing has has died to death now. He's been atrocious the last few weeks, as bad as any quarterback in the NFL. Um, 
I wouldn't. Yeah, I, I wouldn't massively be surprised if there was any team who was going to sign Kaepernick if it was the if it was them as well. You know, they've signed Eric Reid. I think they didn't um, send anyone though. For I mean, I yeah. know they can get him in for a private workout, but it's a weird move to just. They wanted to seemingly back the idea that they weren't going to make a quarterback move so much that yeah they, they made the a big deal of, of not doing sending it mid, one of mid season is is tricky. I mean, they're a franchise kind of going nowhere, aren't they? I think that's the issue. Um, but then if you look at it, if you ignore what Kyle Allen did in those first few weeks and how it was a nice story, they're, they're a franchise who, you know, is 500, haven't lost their, their starting quarterback. I mean, it's difficult to really criticise that um, when you look at it in, in, in absolutality. But... Yeah, it's a tricky one. I mean, the Newton question's a tricky one now because it feels like you've got the accumulation of injuries. They've just got decisions to make. For me, if you're going to stick with Cam Newton, I would keep Ron Rivera. If you're not going to, I would just start the whole thing again. I'd probably even trade McCaffrey if I was going to do that. And I get that he's a great player, but, you know, running backs in the second contract, we've seen how that goes recently. So for me, it's a complete knife-edge scenario. And and I think you base it entirely on what you're going to do with the quarterback. Because, I mean, Cam Newton must be early 30s now, or coming up to 30. You know, if you're committing to him long term, then you put everything around him and you build around that. But if, if you're worried about the injuries, then I would trade everybody and start again. New owner, new model and, and, and kind of get it going from scratch. Christian McCaffrey, 99 on Madden. <laughs> that's the that's the main thing. Well, no, that's a bit of news. Some news, but if you if you if you start if you're starting again, he's another great yeah. trade chip, isn't he? Like yeah. you know, you trade McCaffrey, you trade Newton. Um, do you trade Luke Keekley? You think about it, and you and you really blow it up and start again. I mean, th- that's that's what I would be doing. It would be between those two things because they've been since fifteen and one, they've been treading water. So if you don't think that you can get the team back to that level with Cam then for me it's it's completely rip it up and start again. Right, moving on to the late games, and we've got a couple of crackers in prime time this weekend, but in the 9.25 window, unsurprisingly, this game was picked for TV. It's the Dallas Cowboys in New England to face the Patriots. Um, we, we again talked about this earlier this week. This is the Matt Sherry-centric show this week. Yeah, You saw these Cowboys in action last week, obviously, uh, Matt, in, in Detroit at Ford Field. Spoke to Sean Lee. Spoke to Sean Lee yeah. inside that locker room. You know what they're about, but... You you'll have heard all of the criticism and all of the conversation from recent days uh, about what that offense has been in New England over the last five weeks. Where Tom Brady is, I mean, we're talking about you know worse stats and ratings than the likes of Mason Rudolph, etc. Over recent weeks, I'm not suggesting that Brady has fallen off to that extent, but is this defense good enough to just maintain a challenge regardless of how good the offense is? And do you think the offense can turn it around? Yeah, but I think the offense will get better. I, I, I thought, I thought last week was Brady's worst game. I think he's played well for a lot of the season. Um, he wasn't great against Philadelphia, but then watching the All Twenty Two back, it's not like anybody was getting open either. And and I think that Philly defense, to what you alluded you to earlier, just spent a second round pick on a wide receiver. Surely someone should underrated. be getting open. Well, they spent a first round pick on a wide receiver, but this was his first game as a professional football. Yes, yeah, player, but then so. I mean, Mohamed Sanu was what I meant. Oh yeah, but I mean Sanu, Sanu sprained his ankle like in the second quarter and hasn't practiced since you know so it's one of those scenarios where they're a bit banged up I mean the the left tackle situation hopefully resolves itself this week with with Wynn coming back Um, 
Yeah, I mean, they don't look good on offence, but their defence is so good. Um, and I think that when they have to have it on offence, they can still do that. I mean, we saw when they got behind in the first half, they actually put their best drives of the game together. Um, in terms of the Cowboys, I mean, talk about frustration as a fan. You know, watch that. If I look at that roster, I don't think there's a more talented roster in the NFL. I'm not sure it's that close. So I mean, Let, me, got, let me just put it. this out there. Because there are obviously worse coaches, worse coaches in the NFL than Jason Garrett. But are they the worst coach team when you consider talent to production? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I'm writing a piece on them for the next magazine and just kind of analysing the roster yesterday. I mean, they're so just, just absolutely loaded, completely loaded. I mean, you've got three starting like top echelon linebackers for a starting point. You got two quality edge rushers because Robert Quinn is resurgent and Demarcus Lawrence after a, 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 a slow start of the season coming off an injury is playing. I mean, he was brilliant against the Lions. That took over the game in the second half. And then Michael Bennett now, who is still a really, really good player. And then on offense, you know, you've got still one of the best offensive lines in the league. Good wide receivers now. I mean, they've, they've struggled a little bit with Cooper being banged up the last few weeks, but Gallup is a really good number two. Randall Cobb's playing great football. Yeah. You know, Jason Witten can still play a little <laughs> bit of tight end. Go on, Cobby. He... Yes, Ollie is still here. <laughs> Cobby! Uh, Randall Cobb scoring in, uh, in for, at Ford Field. I, I loved that. I absolutely loved it. I think he did as well. Probably all the Green Bay Packer fans in the Touchdown Trips tour loved it too. Um <laughs> I thought it was superb. Last night on the halftime show on on four, on Fox uh, on on Thursday Night Football, a show that um, I think is dreadful. But Terry Bradshaw, so frustrating. The amount of the amount of talent they've got, like four legit Hall of Famers, and they say nothing of interest. Well, three of them were there last night but Terry Bradshaw did say something of interest he ripped Jason Garrett a new one oh, absolutely went into him laid into him and said that the that the Garrett is holding the Cowboys back yeah yes I mean he definitely is their so, the level of underperformance is so so in this kind of game I could see that Dallas pulling off an upset in this kind of game because they are so talented that they, that they should win one of these games at some point. But, I, I mean, it, it won't happen, will it? You know what I mean? I could see it happening, but it actually won't happen. Yeah, because and, and, and they have... never win big games, and they never win them on the road. As much as we've seen the ca that Dak Prescott have a couple of games this season where he's looked absolutely monumentally brilliant, it's still a run-first offence that is built around Ezekiel Elliott. That should be how they are building things. And they had less than 50 rushing yards against the Vikings, less than 75 in the uh and no, sorry 75 in the win over detroit uh they haven't it, since they drafted elliot they've never gone three games back to back to back sub 100 now it's the one area that the patriots defense has had a small issue <laughs> i mean you know we're talking about historical levels of of brilliance from this defense this year but teams have been able to run on them with a better coach i look at this game and i go they go to the run game, they, they control the ball, they go after the Patriots, and then they force Tom Brady to have to throw to a bunch of unopened receivers, and they make it difficult for them. I just don't... It's so ridiculous how little they trust the coaching that that is a game plan that they will be able to hold to. The moment they go a score down, that's it. They will abandon it entirely, I mean, and it'll be a mess. 
the period seemed to move to like a lot of bizarrely, and this helped stop the run, like a lot of one four six packages on defense in the last game, where they basically had one proper down line and a load of linebackers on the field, and and it stopped the run. It was interesting to see that after the bye as to whether that's an adjustment, because you know the, the the trouble with stopping the run in the modern day is that you still want enough bodies on the field to 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 stop the pass, so it's the runs out of the spread formation they're difficult to stop. But yeah, I mean, I, I can just say the Patriots defense completely shutting them down and 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 the one thing i would say on dak so you guys know i've always been a major fan of dak watching him in person the amount of times he, he, he makes the wrong read and takes the wrong option in the passing game is is really troubling for a guy who's played so much football now he's very accurate like he's under understatedly accurate i think so he gets away with some of the throws there were a couple that he made where he had wide open guys in the middle of the field and he's thrown outside a lot in the game that that was really noticeable watching him live um that's a dangerous situation to be in against i mean because the strength of this patriots team is their secondary is astonishing i mean i said to the guys when we were watching the game last week even when they give up a pass there is just a defender right there. I mean, they're the best secondary I think I've seen outside of of the Legion of Boom in peak years and in the, in the conversation with them as well just because of how deep they are. Right, let's move on to Sunday night football. I think we've have we all taken the Patriots. Yeah. Uh, let me check. <laughs> He's taken the Patriots. I've taken the Patriots. Right, Ollie, tell me why the Green Bay Packers are going to come into San Francisco and go level atop the uh, the NFC standings. I don't think we will. Oh, what? <laughs> no, no, no. This was meant to be a nice back and forth. No, I think, fun. no, no, no. I think, we, I think we have a really, really good chance, given Aaron Rodgers is um, and what Jerry Rice said in, in that excellent interview that you, you conducted with him earlier on in the week. Aaron Rodgers always wants to play well against the 49ers because he was passed on them by the team that he grew up supporting, all of that, yada, yada, yada. But the Green Bay offense is is starting to click. The two running backs are dovetailing brilliantly. Aaron Jones had a brilliant game last week. Uh, Jamal Williams is a good foil. Devontae Adams is slowly making his way back into it. They're coming off of a bye. They've had all of this time to practice, to to scheme and look at the things that the 49ers don't do well. Um, so I think, and, and and on defense, that it's absolutely key that they shut down a run game which was shut down last week by the Seattle Seahawks. So I think it's, some people are saying, oh, the 49ers at home, this is going to be a foregone conclusion. I don't think it is. And I think Green Bay will play hard in... in, in I don't think anyone's calling it a foregone conclusion. I think what gives me a pause for positivity after what we've seen from the last few weeks is that... The 49ers have managed to come out 2-1 and one from a, a pretty rough three-game stretch and were a missed field goal away from beating the Seattle Seahawks and actually played better than them for large stretches of that game. Um, I'm not sure that's true. No, well, it absolutely is, and it's what uh, a huge, like basically all the major analysts suggested that it was an absolute I mean, I the, by the end of the game. The, the 49ers were extremely lucky to be in that game. I mean, the Seahawks passed them at multiple times. I mean, Seattle dominated the game. They absolutely did not dominate the game. They gave Come up. On, Will. No, they, Sherry. Honestly, what, after they the went after they went turnovers. after they went ten points up, 
The 49ers, well, 21-10 up. The 49ers scored 14 unanswered points and shut them down on defence for four straight drives. That is an excellent stretch of play. And they got managed to get it to overtime. And in overtime, they got the turnover and should have won the game. It was a 50-50 game of football. They were not dominated by the Seahawks. They were. They absolutely were disagree, not. And, and what's fantastic is old, shut down old Russell Wilson boy over here is the fact that you're, you're looking at it through your, your Seahawks love lens. Not, I was, I, 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 I said I thought off the back of that game that I think the Seahawks win the West at this point. But I'm telling you, every other kind of podcast or major outlet that I've listened to or read suggested that it was at least a 50-50 game. If not, said the 49ers, probably should have won it on balance and screwed it up. The, the 49ers were given every opportunity to win that game by stupid mistakes from Seattle and still couldn't win. That's part and, of a game! And, and and the Wilson scenario, I mean, I was as disappointed as anyone as the, in the overtime interception. I mean, for me, that should work. That game should work against him in the MVP mix, not for him. So it wasn't the only one of the game. Andy had one go in and out of the hands of Fred Warner on a yeah, scoring I, drive. I, I, I so should have turned I mean, over the ball again. The 49ers defense uh, played better than the numbers and the and the final score looked in that game. I, they I made the, mistakes themselves. I think the worry for the for San Francisco in this game is if there's one area in the last few weeks that I think's been exposed, it's that you can potentially run outside against them and and that's really what Green Bay's offense are trying mm. to do. Yeah, I think that's um, going to be the, the key to this game is going to be the running game on both sides of the ball. Because San Francisco, I, I wheeled out this stat in the uh, in the show earlier in the week, but through the first seven games of the Wee- uh, season, they were running for 181 yards a game. In those two games against the Cardinals and against the Seahawks, they're averaging 74 yards a game, the third worst in the league in that span. Now, George Kittle is coming back for this game this weekend. He should be at least. He practised yesterday, practising again today, so that is a massive boon for the 49ers. I think the tackles actually having a game under their belt and not facing a pass rush as fearsome as Jadavian Clowney, although the Smiths obviously have good sack numbers this year. I don't think their defence is is as good as those numbers suggest. I think this is a game for the 49ers to get healthy with the run and that takes some of the pressure off Jimmy Garoppolo. It's whether or not their defence can step up after losing Kawan Alexander. They've definitely taken a step back. Yeah, absolutely. Is, is Is Manny Sanders back? That's a good question. I will double check now. Oh, yes, he is. No, he is 100%. He's been practicing in I think that's... On a serious note with the Niners, I did think they were dominated by Seattle. But the flip side of that is that if you take out, and I've seen the debate on Twitter, easily to me the best tight end in the NFL in George Kittle. I mean, he's Kelsey's not really that close. Whoever put that tweet out from our account, by the way, and didn't even put Kittle in the tweet is ridiculous. Yeah, but I think that's just to wind people up, isn't it? But um, Well, it worked. I mean, <laughs> Kittle, is, Kittle, is number one. Kittle is number one to me by... Uh, by a decent margin. He's just a much better blocker than Kelsey. I get that Kelsey's more of a willing blocker now than he used to be, but he isn't a great blocker. Um, like getting he, he's him a much better up the field blocker. He actually is a good blocker at the second level, but he's not great as an in-line blocker yeah. at all. Well, Kittle's just got it all. I mean, I think Kittle's the closest thing to Rob Gronkowski I've seen. Um, I mean, he's not Gronk, but he's very, very good. The, um, the, the, and that is the other thing about that game, if, we go, if we're looking back at the Seahawks, if we're taking the Cardinals game out of it a little bit, is that 
nine in-game injuries, mostly to key players. That's the other thing yeah, that was and, massive and, about and that game. A, and a Thursday night game. I mean, like I, I, said, I think I, people I have gone from having the the 49ers as like number one and number two in power rankings to suddenly acting like they're barely a playoff team anymore in the last two weeks is absolutely farcical. Yeah, well, it's just, it's also a byproduct of, you know, nobody expecting them to do anything before the season. So as soon as people see something that they believe is a ching in the arm, they think, oh, well, actually, we were right all along. Well, we weren't. They're a much better team than we thought. Um, I, I think San Francisco will win. I, I don't think Green Bay are a very good team. I still don't. I think that there's some good signs with their running game that if it continued on, would be great. But, you know, that Panthers game doesn't look as great based on what we've seen the last couple yeah. of weeks it, it, so so yeah I, I just think San Francisco are a better team and 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 Garoppolo the one thing I would say Garoppolo I thought was unlucky against Seattle you know a couple of those interceptions were off the hands of receivers and things like that more so than when I watched it live so yeah I, I think San Francisco it's a massive game for the 49ers though that's the thing you know, just playing against Aaron Rodgers in prime time after you've lost that big game to Seattle. First time, you know, I, I, I didn't any... realise it's the first time George Kittle's ever played on Sunday Night Football, which gives you an indication yeah, of, believe that. of where the 49ers have been wow. in his first few seasons in the league. So, Yeah, but, and that's what I mean. So, uh, for me, this game, we can analyse the, the kind of X's and O's, but it's a much a game that'll tell us about the 49ers' mentality as anything, because are they ready as a young team to take that leap forward in these kind of big games and get the job done. Because I think on paper they should win this game. You know, if they don't win this game, I think it will be a terrible sign unless Aaron Rodgers does something superhuman. I, I totally agree with you there, When you, especially when you've got the likes of Breeder, Kittle back. Kittle being back, especially what he does on the line, allows the running game to, to, to be better. It allows the passing game to be better. And you can throw on this Green Bay secondary 275 yards per game they allow which you'd expect at home with Emmanuel Sanders being back Kittle being back and hopefully Kendrick from a 49ers point of view Kendrick Bourne doesn't drop so many passes you can throw on this Green Bay defense so we say that maybe it will be done in the in the trenches or it will be done on the run but if San Francisco can get their passing game going yeah. That's where they can really, really put the hurt on, on Green Bay. Right. And, and Kittle will. You mentioned just one last thing. You mentioned about the running game. Kittle's a big part of that, you know. You'd think mm-hmm. about losing Huge. a tight end who is so good at both of those things. That that drives a running game. Like, I watched that. that why do you think the Patriots running game struggling so much without Gronkowski? It's the, it's the same thing. Having that tight end who can do both is huge for a running game. Having, is this the first time that check and... Kittle are on the field at the same time since week two. Yeah. Uh, and exactly. when you combine that with having the tackles back, everything else, Matt Breeder still hasn't practiced this week, although Raheem Moster is back and, and Col- Coleman's obviously been their red zone guy. So that's the big thing here. If their run game gets healthy, I think they win. Right. We've gone super, super, super long, of course. Um, there is Monday night football to talk about the Ravens going to the Rams. And the reason I just think there's a little bit of, of positivity for the Rams here is that. They completely changed the offensive line last week. Four of the five positions were either new guys in or guys playing in a different position to where they'd been previously. And they went from a team who couldn't run the ball at all to suddenly Todd Gurley looking like MVP-level Todd Gurley that we saw midway through last season when he put himself in that conversation. They're going to need that because they're going to need to control the ball and run the ball well if they're going to have any chance against a, a, a bit of a juggernaut of a Ravens team right now. 
Yeah, I mean, to, to sum up how bad things are in LA for the NFL, you can get tickets for this game for $35 on Monday night. That's terrible, isn't it? Against I mean, the leading MVP candidate yeah, yeah. and a team that are very playoff bound and a team that could still be playoff bound in the in the home yeah. side of things. That's mad, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, the Chargers still want to stay in the city. Uh, it's mad. It, that is all madness. But, Shezza, you're, you're 100% right. They haven't bought it. I think the, the love affair with Goff has completely fizzled out. They're, it's yeah, it's just not working. Goff, in that game against the Bears... He had two drives where he was he looked any good, and that's because of blown coverages or receivers doing something that um, that, that that they haven't been doing so far this season. Goff is not a good player, and I think LA fans have worked that out. There's also the fact that they've got Brandon Cooks back for this game, by the looks of it, which is is big considering that they were to a point where it was one of their deepest positions in the entire league and then that they completely dropped off a cliff there. But actually, this Ravens defence, the more and more the season's gone on, the more Earl Thomas in particular has grown into that defence, the more impressive they've looked. It's, Marcus it's, Peters coming ter- in has been terrifyingly huge Terrifyingly well. so. Yeah, I mean, it, Peters, and, Peters coming in and Jimmy Smith getting healthy has just completely changed the face of their secondary. Like, I think from a Patriots fan, like the Ravens scare me for that reason. The interesting part about this game is, for, for me, that the formula to success is the same for both teams. We're yet to see Lamar Jackson behind by 10 to 14 points in this stretch. If you get him in that situation, you'll win the game. Because I, I don't think he can drop back 30 times still and win the game in those circumstances. And that's how you need to beat the Ravens. So I'd look for whoever wins the coin toss to get the ball first and do that. Because you look at the other side, and Jared Goff is the same as that. You, you, he also struggles coming from behind and getting them in a drop-back pass game where they can't rely on the running game. So I think both teams are going to try and do the, the same thing to each other. And I think the Ravens will, will win because I just think the, their defence looks really good now. They're, they're sec- if you think great defences in the modern-day build around the secondary, then the Ravens is, is as good as any this side of New England. Right, let's um, let's go through the rest of that. I've I've picked the Ravens, but I just think that it'll be a better game than maybe I thought it would be until I saw the, the Rams last week, where they were better on defense than they've been, although against Mitch Trubisky, admittedly, and uh, and had run the ball better. It just looked a bit healthier to me. Uh, it doesn't sound like they've got a home field advantage, though. Right, I just go through and, and uh, go through our picks for the for the rest of the games for the weekend. Uh, I've taken the Raiders over the Jets. Anyone taking the Jets at home in that one? No. Hope. Oh yeah, I have. Oh, you have. Yeah, I have. I believe in Sam Donald. There we go. Yeah, you might be the only person. Somebody has to. <laughs> um, uh, the Detroit Lions are in Washington. You know, the Lions haven't been great recently, but they're in Washington. <laughs> I've taken. You get tickets for this game for nine dollars. <laughs> I saw. I, I saw six. I saw six dollars yeah. in the lower bowl the other wow. day, tweeted by I think Robert Klemko. I miss Matt, St- Matt Stafford. I, it's, a, it's a genuine thing. I miss him. Uh, has anyone got? The, has anyone picked Washington? Nope. Nope. <laughs> Good. Um, uh, the Tampa Bay in Atlanta to face the Falcons. Sherry, are we buying this Falcons resurgence? This oh, we've put a different play caller on defense, and suddenly everything's working. Yeah, I am. Yeah. I'm- Pick the Falcons. They're the team I expected to see at the start of the season. I mean, Dan Quinn could yet save his job. It's amazing, isn't it? <laughs> Ironic, Dan Quinn could save his job by giving his job away. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, very good. I've taken the I do, I, do, I do like Raheem Morris, though. It's nice to see him 
Doing well Why was he? I, I didn't even realise that he was their wide receivers coach. I have what? no idea. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Literally, what are you doing? Just weird, isn't it? <laughs> Uh, the Miami Dolphins in Cleveland to face the Browns. The Browns, uh, I didn't realise just how key Miles Garrett was to that defence because I've found felt my sick watching them so much this season, watching how much they've squandered the talent on offence. But he gets a ludicrous percentage of their quarterback pressures. Uh, I think up there with the most in the NFL for a single player on a defence. So... He's missing. Miami, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick is playing maybe the season of his life. Sorry, who? Uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know. Fitzmagic. There we go. You know. um, and Brian Flores is, is coaching beautifully. But I'm still going to take the more talented team at home. Cleveland? Uh, yeah, I me mean, too. Yeah. Uh, just Cleveland. But, I mean, I think their cornerbacks are right to be exposed without pass rush. Oh, Christ. Pittsburgh Steelers face the Cincinnati Bengals. No Mason. Uh, no Mason Genu- genuinely don't care. <laughs> Steelers. I've taken the Steelers as well. Uh, that, that question this week where, um, where Zach Taylor was asked if Ryan Finley gives them the best, he believes he gives them the best chance to win. And he says, we wouldn't be playing Ryan Finley if he didn't give us a chance to win. <laughs> So no is the answer. You're tanking, Zach, and you've just admitted it during a press conference. Having both a coach and quarterback who gives you no chance to win is a bad place to be, isn't it? Uh, uh, the New York Giants are in Chicago to face the Bears. I'm taking the Giants here. I'm taking the Giants because the Bears' offense, watching that game, they are so bad. Even when they took out Trubitsky with that hip injury... <laughs> Uh, That's radio. the best version of air quotes I've heard in voice in my life. Yeah, yeah it is superb. <laughs> um, <laughs> even even because of that hip injury, I am 100% taking the Giants. The, the Bears are a terrible team on offense. Uh, please, please, no, never make me watch another Chicago Bears game again, Willie. Uh, the Denver Broncos Bears. in Buffalo. Yeah, I'm taking the Bears as well. The Denver Broncos in Buffalo to face the Buffalo Bills. Um, if there's an in more intriguing bad game this week, this <laughs> might be it. I actually genuinely think Rich Scangarello is doing a pretty good job with, with Brandon Allen, old Scangy. And uh, watching the game back from last weekend, is Cortland Sutton, like... A, a number one receiver now. Did that happen? Yeah, he's and I really just missed good. it entirely. Honestly, yeah, he's, I mean, you look at who's thrown him the ball as well over the whole season. <laughs> I've been. Yeah, I, I, I said that on the Twitter account last week. I think he's become really good. It's I've a drum that Ollie's been bumming. I've, I've been banging that. <laughs> banging for a while. I've been bumming the drum. Bumming the drum. <laughs> That's a totally different podcast. You've been bumming the drum. <laughs> I've uh, ever since I saw him in SMU way way back. Um, this player's an absolute star. He will go from strength to strength. Just needs a proper quarterback and a proper head coach to get him the ball. No. Shamey doesn't have a no. Shamey doesn't have a GM that can pick a quarterback for Toffee. Yeah. That's yeah. what I I'm think, going I think, on. I think um, Fangio's done a good job this season. Oh, Fangio! Buffalo win this game. Yeah, Buffalo me. Uh, and then the only other game we've not talked about has genuine playoff implications. That just does it. Yeah, the, yeah. Titans, the Titans are still well in this mix. They're a win behind <laughs> the, the, um, the Indianapolis yeah. Colts. They're two wins behind the Texans, and they've got to play them. Like they do every season. Ah, <laughs> get out, Sherry. Oh, I think if they're going to poop the bed in true Titan style, then they'd lose to Nick Foles. But I just think, have you seen the the yardage that the Jags have been giving up in the on the ground in recent weeks? The Colts gashed them. Um, 
I just Derek Henry, for as much as I still think he's painfully one-dimensional, they've actually done a really good job with him this season. I think he, I think he batters the Jags and the Titans win. The list of the list of running backs that Will hates that actually are pretty good, and in the end he turns around, turns his mind on. It's, There's it's a lot amazing. Of it's unreal. Go on, who else on the uh, list then? Who's the bloke in in? in uh, New Orleans. <laughs> and yeah, hold on. I haven't turned around on him. I just said that... Yeah, Latavius Murray. Latavius Murray, that's the one. That's the one. Latavius Murray will be a big, a good pick in fantasy this year because he'll vulture some touchdowns. And I ended up being wrong. He hasn't been a very good pick in fantasy because he hasn't been scoring the touchdowns. And actually, do you know what? He He's still not very good. Season. He's still not very good. I just, I hate one-dimensional running backs. I don't think there's a proper place for them in the NFL unless they're on an offense that have got a really good back that they're working with and guess what the titans have this but they won't give Dion lewis the ball they're just going no nope, not having it let's not let's not talk about the the free day on campaign <laughs> <laughs> the, the matt sherry free Dion campaign uh I'm t- he's got he's got t-shirts made and everything <laughs> uh, at least they'd be an update on our t-shirts which are now four years old uh matt sherry <laughs> any final Jeez. thoughts on the nfl from this week that was an unnecessary um, shot. The only thing we never said is, is Drew Brees is really struggling throwing the ball downfield even after having the mid-season injury. That could be a big problem for the Saints at the I, end of the season. I was having six, seven weeks off. It's just ridiculous. Ollie, any final thoughts? No final thoughts. Looking forward to Sunday night football. This has been a stupid... Looking forward to Tuesday night, guys. Oh, yeah. Are we going to toucan it and then that Chinese... Yeah, we could actually pod together in person as well, Tuesday. Oh, yeah, we do that first and then we go out for food and drinks because if we do it afterwards, it will be a disaster. Yeah, that's true. Absolutely. Uh, only, less, only slightly more of a disaster than the actual pod will be. But. That's, that's yeah. only if Ollie and I are still talking to each other after Sunday Night Football. Just a good point. Uh, right. Like, watch it together. Oh, well, I'm here, but if Ollie wants to come and watch it with me and, and you know be here unpaid, then he's more than welcome to do that. I might do it. I might. I mean, I'd love it if you did. But... Watch this space. Oh, here we go. Here we go. So thank you very much for listening. Uh, do please go rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. Uh, give us some love on, on Twitter and, and Instagram and wherever because it does make a difference finding more people. The numbers have been better recently and, and they, they, they can keep going up, fingers crossed. So uh, we will have 100 pods coming out over the next couple of days as well. Sherry's determined to catch up on the one that we missed as well. So we'll have those coming out for you. Keep an ear out. Otherwise, thank you very much for listening. This has been The Gridiron Show. Hey, mate, it's me, your hunch. Cheltenham is here, and with Betway's four to win, we can get in on the action completely free. All we have to do is pick the winner of four races to win 50 grand every day. Mmm, 50 grand. We could buy our own horse. Next year, we'll be cheering for Monsieur Victory, or Sir Hunch-a-Lot, or Dr. Winderace, or his hunchless, punchy... Heed your hunch with Betway's four to win for a free chance to win up to 50 grand every day at Cheltenham. Selections must be submitted before the start of the first eligible race. One entry per customer per day. Full terms apply. 18 plus. Begambleaware.org.